So we're just continuing our study in the book of Hebrews. And I just wanted to look at verse 14 tonight. And uh, just do a little study. And, and, and the reason why I chose to do a PowerPoint as well is that there are some fairly difficult things to, uh, to explain in this, uh, in this verse. Uh, there's some interpretations of this verse that you might have heard before that are not, are not consistent with the rest of the chapter. And so I just wanted to, to kind of bring some of these things out and I thought it would be good to uh, do a presentation. So, we'll just start off with uh, going through the verse and the first phrase is that we are made partakers of Christ. And uh, in order to study and to understand this verse uh, properly, I'm afraid we have to do a bit of, uh, bit of Greek grammar. I know it's very hot and it's not the best weather to, you know, to start thinking, but that's what we have to do. So, uh, I've got the, the visuals up there so that we can, um, you know, we can understand some of these things. So, the verb there in that, in that phrase is, that we're looking at is the verb made. Okay? Um, the kids know what a verb is. What's a verb? Doing word. Okay, so it's a word that shows action. Okay, so that's what we're supposed to do. So we're going to focus on that that verb. And uh, that 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 word made, it's a second perfect active verb. Okay, that's the the Greek grammar there. I'll kind of explain as we go along what that means. Now, the perfect tense is not something that we are used to in English. Um, it's uh, it emphasizes the results produced by past action. Now, there are some very important perfect tenses in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. There's an action that happened in the past that has you know, consequences right now. Okay? So, if you think about this verb here, we are made partakers of Christ. So, that first happened at salvation, didn't it? Okay, that's something past for us as Christians. And that's who the epistle to the Hebrews is directed at is to Christians. Okay, they're already saved. So, uh, that being made partakers of Christ, that happened at salvation, but it has results now. Right now. And that's why it's in the perfect tense. Um, so, the past action. Yeah, we were saved. And the present result is that we are partakers of Christ right now. So, that's, our, that's, that's what's happening in our life right now as Christians. Now, I just want to pause here for a minute. Partaking here does not equal salvation. Okay, that little symbol there um, means that it doesn't equal. So, you, you might have heard a commentary or a, a preacher say in the past that um, this, this verse means that you can lose your salvation, but um, those people are operating on the assumption that partaking equals salvation, but it doesn't. And I think we'll see that as we go along. That verb, um, to be made, is in the active voice. Again, there's a bit of Greek grammar here. Uh, that means that the subject, that's we, we're performing the action um, uh, to be made. Okay, So we're the ones making ourselves partakers of Christ, if you like. Now, does that sound like salvation? Do we have an active part in salvation? Are we the ones saving ourselves? No, we're not. 
Okay, we are saved by God. You know, it's nothing of ourselves. It's not something that we do, that we have really any part of. Okay. Our role, however, in sanctification is active. Okay. We have an active role. We can't just be passive as we go through the Christian life. And so this verse, I believe, is talking about the Christian life in sanctification. Now, I've got there to compare with Second, uh, sorry, with Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are ye saved. Okay? That verb, to be saved there, is in the passive voice. Okay? And I think that's an important distinction to make. Salvation, uh, initially, is um, we don't have any active role in that. Okay? We're saved by God. Okay? However, sanctification, we have an active part in that. And so that's that comparison there. And really what, what's happening here is that it's continuing what began at salvation. Now, to be a partaker, what does this mean? What does it mean to be a partaker? It's, a, it's kind of one of those jargon words that we read in the Bible. You know, we say sometimes you know, at the Lord's table we're partaking. But what does it actually mean? Well, this uh, little word that we find here in Hebrews chapter 3 is, uh, uh, is found a, a grand total of six times in the New Testament. I'll put that right. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Put the references up there. So, as you can see, five out of the six times are in the book of Hebrews. And the other time it's found, it's in the book of Luke. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's usually translated as partaker, especially in, in uh, Hebrews. Um, it's translated somewhat differently in Luke, but it still has the same kind of meaning. Um, in Hebrews 1 verse 9, which we looked at a, quite a while ago, it's translated as fellows. And those fellows there are the, are the angels, so we, we don't have time to look at that again. But in, in Luke 5 verse 7... I've just got there, I've just uh, quoted from one of the commentaries that I was reading. Uh, this word partaker in the Greek, uh, metokos, means uh, participation with one in common blessing. Okay? It's a, it's a very close connection with someone else. Okay? It's not just an acquaintance, it's not just a, a friend. It, it's, it's, it's really, really close fellowship. In Luke 5, 7, um, the word is translated as partners. Uh, if you've got your Bibles handy, you can uh, look that up. In fact, let's, let's, all, let's just uh, have a quick look at that verse. Luke 5 and verse 7. Um, and the disciples are getting called by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it says there, Luke 5, 7, And they beckoned unto their partners. That's that word that we're looking at. Uh, Metokos. Partners. In Hebrews, uh, uh, in the book of Hebrews, it's um, partakers. Uh, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And, and they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. So, so the, the partakers there are, are their partners. Those who they worked with very closely. There's a picture of, you know what that might have looked like back in Jesus' time. Uh, you've got fishermen 
working, cooperating with each other on the boat. Okay, they're in close fellowship, they're helping each other out, um, you know, they're, they're, they're really close together. You can imagine uh, being in that sort of environment, you have to have a good relationship with your fellow workers to, in order to do that job. And that gives us an idea, I think, of, of, of the meaning of the word in, in Hebrews, of, of the word partakers. Because in Hebrews, it, it, it jumps up a level. Okay? It's not just talking about being partners with other human beings. It says that we're made partakers of Christ. Okay? So there's something much deeper happening there. And this word partaker uh, implies a closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it also has some synonyms in the New Testament. Uh, in James chapter 2 and verse 23, we read that Abraham was called the friend of God. And that wasn't initially at his uh, salvation when Abraham was called the friend of God. If you read the context of uh, James 2 there, it's when he offered up Isaac on the altar. Okay? He kind of went up to the next level. Uh, of relationship with God. He was called the friend of God at that point. It's, it's like a disciple versus a follower. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ had many followers, didn't he? Uh, thousands of people came, you know, they, he, he, you know, he fed them with bread and, um, you know, he healed them. But how many disciples did he have? Only a very small select number. Okay, that, that's kind of the, di- the difference that we're seeing here. It, it, it's also this distinction here between spiritual versus carnal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we see this distinction um, used of Christians. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, it's like there's, and I hesitate to use the word classes, but there's, there's, there's two levels of uh, Christians, if you like. It says... Uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he, he defines what a carnal Christian is. It's, it's a babe in Christ, someone who's not growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's someone who's carnal. But he wants them to be spiritual. Okay, so there's that, there's that next level of fellowship with God. And I think that's what the word partaker is related to as well. So just continuing on this, uh, I found a good uh, uh, definition here of the word partaker. You can read it there. Uh, It's from, uh, uh, what's his name, Uh, Bowers, uh, uh, lexicon there. It defines the word as sharing or participating in or of business partners and companions. Uh, Luke uses it in this sense. Uh, This refers to participating in Christ's work. It's, it's not talking about a Christian who is a spectator. It's talking about a Christian who is, is busy with Christ working. Now, the implications of partaking. Um, now, because the verb there is in the active voice, it involves action on our part. Okay, we are made partakers of Christ. It, it implies that we're doing something about this to be made partakers of Christ. But by definition, it's a business partnership with Christ. And I guess if you take it to uh, a different metaphor, 
Um, it, it, it could be viewed this way. Uh, you know, someone playing sports, you know, who's, who's playing on the field versus someone who's sitting on the bench. Okay, I don't know what sports you're kind of involved in. For a lot of my life I've, I've played basketball and that involves periods where you're on the bench. Okay, you might even start the game on the bench for whatever reason. Um, and um, you just have to wait until it's your turn. Um, sometimes the coach pulls you aside and sits you down on the bench um, to wait. Uh, there's a, play, a picture of some players who are sitting on the bench. If you notice, they're watching someone playing the sport. Okay, They're, they're looking at them. They don't, they don't look particularly happy, those guys, do they? Maybe their team's losing. I don't know. Maybe one of them is injured. Um, but they're on the bench. Okay, They're not, they're not actively participating. And, and I think this is a, a picture of what... Um, is being talked about in Hebrews here. The, the, the players who are playing on the court, they're the ones who are partaking. Okay, they're active in the game. They're in the game, they're, they're, they're playing the game. The ones who are not are on the bench. Now, sometimes, you know, we're on the bench for a reason as Christians. Um, sometimes we're, we're, we're just not able to participate for whatever reason. Uh, we're, we're feeling discouraged. So we're on the bench. Uh, maybe we're, we're not able to uh, participate in ministry because of you know, infirmity, age, whatever it may be. Maybe we're just going through a season where we're just on the bench. Um, but you know what? What, what, what strikes me as well is that you, know, you can be a bench player and just be miserable. And when you're coaching kids or coaching anyone, um, you tell your, your kids that are on the bench... Don't just sit there, you know, cheer your team, teammates on, okay? Encourage them. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, aren't we? If we're not participating actively in the ministry, what can we do for the Lord? We can pray. We can encourage those who are playing, who, who are actively participating in ministry. We can do all those things. And, and you know what? When in a sporting context, when that happens, it's great. Um, we can be benched for various reasons, but we don't just have to be um, sitting on the bench looking sad. Um, we, can, we can actively um, encourage our teammates. Now, there's a picture of some people who are on the bench, but they're actively encouraging their teammates. So it's probably not... not um, obvious from that picture, but one of their teammates has just scored a, a three-pointer. Okay? And those guys are dancing with joy, encouraging their teammate. Anyway, I just thought I'd, I'd bring that point across. Now, the condition of continual partaking. There is a condition here in Hebrews chapter 3. It says, For we are made partakers of Christ if there's our condition. If now, being a partaker of Christ is not automatically guaranteed. Okay, just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we'll be active in, uh, in, in serving Christ, in ministry. Okay, we, we need to do something as well. 
But there are, there are some things that can stop us from being a partaker. We can, we can uh, have unrepentant sin in our life. We can lose that position of being a partaker. Uh, the previous verse in Hebrews talks about that. It says, uh, we should exalt one another daily, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, we can neglect our salvation. In the previous chapter, we saw that. That was a warning um, not to neglect the salvation that we have, uh, or we can just simply drift away. Again, in the previous chapter, we have that uh, warning of, of, of letting these things slip away. Okay. So they're the conditions. So how do we continue as a partaker? Well, we can... Uh, as the verse says, if we hold the beginning of our confidence. So first thing is to hold on. Uh, so again, this verb is in the active voice. We are the ones doing the action of holding here. We have to, we have to hold on uh, in this sense. We're not holding on to our salvation in terms of losing our salvation. That's not what the verse is talking about. Um, but we're holding on to something, it says. We're ho- holding the beginning of our confidence steadfast. And, 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 and this word to hold is a very intense word. It means to grasp, to really hold fast onto what we have. But what are we holding on to? It says the beginning of our confidence. Um, again, what, 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 it begs the question what is our confidence? Uh, the word there that's translated as confidence is hypostasis, uh, which you might remember from previous messages in the book of Hebrews. It basically means a foundation, or, or it's, it's sometimes translated as substance. Okay. Um, so the foundation of our faith, the substance of our faith, that's what we're meant to hold on to. And what is our confidence? What is our foundation? That's uh, really what we're asking here. What is our foundation? Matthew 21, um, I think, tells us. And this theme is continued into the book of Hebrews as well. It's all throughout the New Testament. Matthew 21, 42 says, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. So the Lord Jesus knew the stone which the builders rejected. Then we find that in in in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Um... The Apostle Paul, quoting probably from a similar Old Testament scripture, Ephesians two nineteen to twenty two says, "Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone." in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So, so the foundation there, as he says, is the, um, the apostles and the prophets, you know, the, the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. 
But the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he is the, like the, the chief cornerstone of the foundation. Again, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we have something similar as well. 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7. Wherefore, as it is all, uh, sorry, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, that stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So the Lord Jesus Christ is our confidence. He's our foundation. He's the substance of our faith. That, that's who we have to hold firmly to as Christians in order to be partakers. So, so the Lord Jesus Christ is our foundation. I, I always think of... Uh, when the Lord spoke to uh, Peter, Matthew 16, verse 18, there it is. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, that's a little rock, and, but, and upon this rock, that's a different word, uh, that's the, the bedrock, he's talking about himself, I will build my church. So he wasn't saying that on Peter, he's going to build his church, because Peter's just a little stone. He's saying, upon this rock himself, the bedrock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When you think of a, a rock like this, you think of um, a monolith. I don't know if you uh, have heard that word before. What's the biggest monolith in the world, kids? What's the biggest monolith? Anyone know? Uluru. Some of you might have even been there. Apparently it's the biggest. I, I don't know. It, according to, there's, there's, you know, geologists might argue about that. But, you know, it's pretty famous. That's a big rock, isn't it? Uh, it reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ whenever I see Uluru. Because it's like, this is a massive rock. No one's going to move that rock. Here's our foundation. Here's our firm foundation. I found this little uh, cartoon and uh, you know sometimes we get worried and uh, you know we're trying to do it all on our own and sometimes we do need that reminder to climb back on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ Um, you know our lives can be unstable Uh, you know there's trouble all around us um, but the Lord Jesus Christ is our firm foundation so I'm going to wrap this up Um, we're holding fast to the Lord Jesus Christ but that's not the end of it the rest of the verse tells us something something else it says uh, we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end steadfastly now that that word steadfast is from the Greek basis, that's the actual Greek word Um, it means uh, to to be stable um, to to do it in in a stable manner and it's from, it comes from the word to walk as well, from Bino Um, you think about someone who's walking very firmly, you know they're they're not going to fall over are they but someone who's running 
really fast, on uneven ground. You're just waiting for them to fall over, like the kids outside. I see them running on that uneven ground. And what do you say to them? Walk, slow down, otherwise you're going to fall over. And that's sometimes, uh, you know, we need that reminder in the Christian life. We need to be steadfast. Uh, We need to keep plotting without slipping over. That's what that, that word steadfast really means. And uh, that word, uh, to the end, steadfast and to the end. And, and yeah, sure, that means to the end of our life, obviously. Uh, we're to be, uh, you know, holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, being that partaker with him, steadfast unto the end of our life. Yeah, that, that's what we want to do. Um, you know, it's, it's great to see some, some of the older folk here in our church. And as a kind of a middle-aged person now, um, it's, it's, it's always an encouragement to me to see people that have been Christians for a long, long time. You know, they're faithful, they just keep plodding along. And it's an encouragement to me. I, I want to be like that. I want to be here in church, just like some of you guys are, you know, when I'm into my... 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who knows if the Lord doesn't return. That's an encouragement. But that word, um, to the end, it's the Greek word telos. It also reminds us of our purpose in the Christian life. You know, sometimes we just get caught up in the Christian life and we just want to, we keep plodding along, but there's not, there's not any purpose. Okay, we just keep coming to church out of routine, uh, you know, because that's what we, we normally do. But there is a purpose to our Christian life. Uh, you know, we've seen it here to be a partaker of Christ. And uh, the author to the Hebrews is putting this before them. Do you guys want to be partakers of Christ? He's giving them that choice. Because there's a condition. You have to hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast unto the end. So, so that's, that, that's really the purpose of our Christian life, is to be a partaker, to continually be a partaker of Christ. Uh, and when I think of the word partaker, uh, you know, it's someone who's, who's working in partnership with Christ, who has the same goals, but it's someone that resembles the Lord Jesus Christ as well, isn't it? And that's, of course, really our, uh, another way to, to, to view our goal as Christians is to be Christ-like. That Christ-likeness uh, in our life is what our goal should be as Christians. Okay, we're, not, we're not just to, to be steadfast and then that, that's it. No, we're to be steadfast to this end, to be partakers of Christ, to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's what the... Uh, Verse 14, um, that's, that's really where we're at here. And I think it, the, the author to the Hebrews uh, is giving his readers a strong challenge. And so that's what I leave with you today. Are you a partaker of Christ? Is that what you're working towards every day? And, uh, you know, let's pray that that happens in our life, that we keep holding on uh, the beginning of our confidence steadfast into the end. Amen. Let's pray.